Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. We've been coming at you every other Tuesday, and we're soon going to be coming at you weekly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hosted by us. As always. Today we close our first season with a catch-up, some hot topics, and essential reading material for every human Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. We discuss Gwyneth Paltrow, Big Data, and those Wells Fargo ads. You know which ones I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Plus, we've got some really light bulb insights from Adam Grant's originals, like why originality is a free choice, why it pays to do a bunch of work. We also share some huge validation for human Venn diagrams, aka that thing you need to put on your mirror, look at every day, and feel amazing. New morning ritual. (laughs) There's so many great things that we ran out of time, so let's just get to it, shall we? We shall. Hi, Christina. Hey, Kate. (laughs) How are you? 
Oh my goodness, I am well. How are you? I'm really good. I'm I'm a little stiff and sore. I was fighting okay. off some superheroes for my job. <laughs> I was waiting to see where you were going to go with that. Um, like, are we really going to talk about that on the show, Kate? Um, Maybe superheroes. Wait, tell me more. You were fighting off superheroes. Yes. Well, again, I don't know how much I can say, but I was essentially... Well, actually, no, I can talk about this. It was on Snapchat. Uh, I was essentially fighting, learning how to fight from... The stuntmen for the Marvel movies. So, Are like, you Iron Man himself <laughs> uh, taught me some mean upper hooks. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm super jealous. <laughs> it, it was really cool. I mean, I, uh, there, there will be a video at some point, hopefully, making me look much more badass than I am, <laughs> which is a very not a tall order, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. going to take a lot to, mm-hmm. uh, because I am very non badass in that realm. Oh, wait, um, this explains your, your Captain America shield Instagram. Yes, okay. yes, my Captain America. Yes, so we went to the sort of undisclosed uh, area down by LAX, and I uh, proceeded to uh, get my butt kicked and try to do it back. <laughs> and I just, you know, it's it's actually been a week of, like, thinking that I can whip my head. I think I talked to you about the fact that I took a dance class <laughs> a week ago. Yes. I, apparently, I have no I was like, why are you whipping your head in ballet class, Kate? And you're like, it's not that kind of dance class, Christina. (laughs) Exactly. It was this amazing Ryan Huffington sweaty Sundays class. So my poor neck, I have just been like giving myself whiplash. Uh, through more than one, <laughs> more than one method. Um, nice. But you know, yeah, okay. maybe I'll be the Hulk pretty soon. I bet uh, you could be. <laughs> How are you? No whiplash. I hope. no no whiplash. I do have maybe a little bit of a crick in my neck from looking up at uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, please talk to me about that. Let me preface this by saying that Christina was straight up repping The Limit Does Not Exist on the very day that I was getting my butt kicked by It's superheroes. true. Well, you know, we have a divide and conquer strategy. <laughs> exactly. You take Shaq, I take Iron Man. There we yeah. go. So, yeah. So, um, uh, amazing, fun news. The Limit Does yes. Not Exist uh, is going to continue on. Technically, today is the last day of our first season, quote-unquote. That's quote, unquote. right. That's right. Uh, Right. But we have been renewed. Yay. Yay. Um, we've been renewed uh, and we're moving over to uh, a big podcast network called Podcast One in partnership with Forbes. It's podcast super exciting. One. And so yeah. they had us on a panel at the Podcast Upfronts, which is a thing. It um, is. It, it is, is a thing. I had no idea. And, uh, you know, so it's like presenting all the different podcast networks. We were we were like one of many networks there um, mm-hmm. sort of talking about upcoming shows and exciting developments to advertisers. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they asked me to be on a panel. I swear to God, when I got this email, I was like, excuse <laughs> me, what? Uh, they wanted me to be on a panel with Shaq. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal. And yep. uh, Adam Carolla. Uh, Adam Carolla. Amazing. Right. <laughs> and I was like, wait, is this... Like, what's the punchline to this joke? <laughs> Do you need a woman? Like, 
How was I chosen? <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, I, we are talking about the lead of the film Shazam yes, and an amazing basketball are. player. We are. And Adam Carolla of multiple fames. Oh, my goodness. Love I think fame. I grew up sneaking oh, like right. Love Line episodes, oh you know, after everyone had gone to sleep. So I was Me like, too. okay, Dr. I, Drew, Adam I can Carolla. rise to the occasion. So I put on my That's tallest right. heels. Because, yes, you do. You know, Adam Carolla is also tall. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I, I didn't realize this because by oh, the yeah. photo, you looked tiny I know. compared to I know. To no, I'm in four-inch heels giants. in that picture. So I'm 6'4", wow. and I don't even clear Shaq's like shoulders. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Was Shaq just the loveliest? He was I'm so lo- We were talking about how his daughter goes to Oglethorpe. Uh, oh and I went gosh. to Emory, you know, both right. Atlanta universities. And I said, right. well, you know, you know, I worked with Georgia Shakespeare Festival. They're in residence at Oglethorpe. If she has any inclination to try out acting, I highly recommend getting involved at Georgia Shakespeare. Oh and, like, gosh. we just had this lovely conversation. You we and compared, Shaq are going to be watching <laughs> Romeo and Juliet together. We compared our hand size. Uh, and he <laughs> he has, uh, like, webbed fingers right up at the very top, not all the way oh, down. Wow. but right. So we were talking about how I, I play piano. And he's like, yeah, I... I have great wingspan for piano, but I would never be able to play because I have webbed fingers. I was like, that is not something I think no. I ever knew about you. But anyway, obviously so, great for catching basketballs, truth, I would think. Truth. And maybe That's swimming. So, um, so we were on this tiny little, it was, you know, a 10-minute panel. Got to talk about the show very briefly. And then Hooray. Shaq and I were the guests on mm-hmm. Adam Carolla's podcast. That's right. He has a podcast. That's so he has great. actually like six podcasts or something. Oh he's, my gosh. He's very good at this. Uh, wow. And we recorded it live at the Upfronts. And I thought it was going to be like five minutes with me and then, you know, however long with Shaq. And then he right. would do just like his episode. No, no, no. Like it was 30 minutes with Shaq and then 30 minutes with me. <laughs> Oh my god! So I, I found the link online. We'll have to link to it in our show notes. Oh, it literally absolutely. is like this episode with Shaq and Christina Wallace. How have I not listened to this? Okay, we it's need to amazing. up our media sharing game. I thought that we I were know, good, but between this and the L piece, I am really I realizing know. that I need to just set a Google alert for you on my. Which, by the way, I still don't know. It's 2016, and I still don't know how to do a Google alert. So this is here's tragic. the thing, though: I have a Google alert set on my name just so that I know when stuff is coming through. Because yeah, sometimes you yeah. do an interview and then they don't publish no, it for months. That, that's right. And it's great to do for yourself, I too. I yeah. never get my Google alert. Like, mm-hmm. I am randomly mm-hmm. surprised by people sending me things like, oh, look, you were on the Of A Kind Insiders thing. And I was like, what? Okay, Did that? I didn't, where's my Google alert? Yeah, so, I don't even some... know if they work all the time. Mm. In any case... Okay, we've got it. In any case, I yeah. met Shaq and I published something and uh, it's been a busy week. <laughs> It has been a really, really busy week. Let's talk about, do you want to talk about this piece that you published? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I wrote, um, this actually, it's relevant to this podcast. Remember when I told you I was going to take this nonfiction creative writing class this summer? Part of your Part summer of my summer of, of joy. Exactly. Summer of to, joy. I don't know where fun to, came from. To no take, fun. Well, it was fun. <laughs> uh, to take a little break from the computer science classes and take a writing class, which I've wanted to do for a very long time and just never mm-hmm. got around to it. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces I ended up writing for this class was this like deeply personal, very kind of um, raw story about my father and the estranged relationship we had and sort of figuring out what my duty was to him uh, as a daughter despite that estrangement when he died last year. Mm-hmm. And I workshopped this this piece with the class and the teacher, Brian Gresco, was great and he was just like, you know, this is this is worth publishing. Like, you should put this out there. And I was like, I don't know. It's really personal. Mm-hmm. And, like, I do a lot of writing for business stuff. I don't 
I don't really write this kind of stuff. And he's like, I know, but it's it's worth putting out there. So um, I pitched it to Elle. They picked it up. They were wonderful. I had a great editor there, Chloe, um, who, who worked with me on it. And it went live yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, you know, we were talking about this before the episode started. It's when you are a human Venn diagram and you work in different industries, there's a little bit of a, a probably false, but uh, you know, perception that you can keep those lives separate, right? That my my writing stuff is different from my computer science stuff, which is different from my business stuff, and um, I can use different social networks or I can use different email accounts and whatever that is. Like they can sort of live in different worlds, <laughs> which is like totally not true at all, <laughs> and particularly not true in the age of the internet where. Like, you are one brand. And right. um, one of the things I had to be comfortable with before this piece went live was that, like, my coworkers are going to read this. When you Google me, yep. this is now going to be on the front page of my Google results. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Um, and, it, you know, it took it took a little bit for me to be okay with that. But I think um, the power of being authentic, of putting my name on this, I've had a number of people reach out and say, this is such a great piece. I'm so impressed that you put your name on it. I thought it would be written by Anonymous when I went, you know, went up to the top to see mm-hmm. who had written it. But, like, you put your name on it. You linked to your website. Like, wow, to, to really own that. Um, and... And the reaction, I think, because of that authenticity and that, like, whole being of all the different pieces of me being in in one place, I think has made it um, even more powerful. So Mm -hmm. it's relevant to, you know, we had an article that you had brought in for us to discuss today uh, around Gwyneth Paltrow and Mm -hmm. how she's had this whole career, obviously, in movies, and then she's got this goop business that's kind right. of started as this fun side project uh, mm-hmm. to everyone else, whether or not it was ever intended to be this fun side project to her. That's how the world perceived it because Gwyneth Paltrow, yep. you know, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this piece on LinkedIn, of all places, um, where, mm-hmm. you know, she basically said, no, 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 this is this is what I'm doing with my life now. Like, I'm taking this seriously. Yeah. And she talks a little bit about the um, some of the side effects of like the rumors in Hollywood trickling over mm-hmm. and getting calls from her VC investors saying, "Is this true? Are you walking away from the mm. site? Like, what the hell?" Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's such an honest conversation of like in in 2016 and beyond, you have to be willing to be a whole person, even mm-hmm. with all of your different human Venn diagram pieces. Um, but if you are willing to own that, I think it's incredibly powerful. I think it's so true. So, so much, so much in what you said, you know, talking about your LPs and thinking about ourselves as human Venn diagrams as complete brands is so essential. And it's also really scary, you know, Mm -hmm. not only for us, but it can be scary to other people, right? Like if somebody sees you in one way and then, oh, all of a sudden, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, there's this other side of Christina. I I found in my own life that, you know, it takes... It takes a, a type of educating those around us to really mm-hmm. say, like, yes, this is me. This is also me. You know, really part of building that brand in an odd way mm-hmm. uh, today. I know that when I have tried to compartmentalize places in my life, not only in my own pursuits, but from the people I work with, you know, that at at this job, I'm this thing, and then off on the side. It is impossible to do that. And it's mm-hmm. really, it's also not fun. It's sort of this is like fruitless task, you know? Well, um, it also feels like those people never really quite know you. Right. Right? Because there's right. like a whole it. sections of your life that you're not 
showing. Yeah. Um, yep. And and I think it's so. I mean, it's obviously a very different way to work than the advice. You know, you re- read like career advice books from twenty years ago, and they're like, "Be professional. Don't talk about your home life. Don't mm-hmm. you know? Bring your personal crap to work. Whatever that is." And I think, you know, I've even had this conversation with some older managers in more traditional industries where they're like really uncomfortable with this shift where their millennial employees want to share what they do on their weekends or they want to talk about. They want to be a whole person at work and not just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the work piece of it. And um, I think there's there's a little bit of a cultural shift there too. That um, whether you have a you know a traditional job with a couple of side projects, whether you're a multi hyphenate, um, bouncing between a lot of different things, it can be hard. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't see any other option in the world of the internet where you are you, and a Google search is going to show what that looks like in you know less than a second anyway. Well, absolutely. And I also think that we are in a time where, you know, transparency is a big hot buzzword, but it, it is for a reason. You know, it's really a new value in our in our culture. And that has to do a lot with how we communicate. You look at mm-hmm. teenagers, they are on each other's phones looking through their messages, the teens <laughs> that I, I work with. You know, privacy is very different to them than it yeah. was to our parents, than it is to us. I think this also comes down to really, you know, everyone you know, hates to razz on them, but there's this great episode of the podcast we were talking about last episode, Strong Opinions Loosely Held, where they talk Mm -hmm. about why the Kardashians are so successful, what they do, that they have found a way, knowing that we live in a world of great exposure, to really, you know, guide their story through Mm -hmm. that, right? To say, like, look, yes, we are in the public eye, and we are telling the story the way we want to tell, because it's true, you know, there is a very different relationship that we all have to privacy and to what Mm -hmm. we share. And I think it is both, it comes back again to vulnerability that's been a theme of this season for us, of really grabbing a hold of that and Mm -hmm. harnessing that in a way that's powerful to each of us. And I, I, you know, the vulnerability, at least for me so far, has been incredibly rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. The reaction has Mm -hmm. been so strong to this piece, so So many uh, people all over the world of all different ages, of all different backgrounds have emailed me and Facebook messaged me and LinkedIn me and and reached out to say, you know, I saw part of my story in your story and it made me feel less alone in the world. Yes, Um, I thought I was the only one that had to deal with this and now I know I'm not. And, you know, it's hard to get all of those because I want to read all of them and you have to like sit with that for for a moment. And Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to get that in the middle of a work day (laughs) and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, I need to get to this Mm -hmm. meeting in five minutes. Um, But it's so incredibly powerful to realize that like by by being vulnerable and by sharing the actual truth, um, it empowers a lot of other people to be willing to share theirs or at least to feel secure and, um, and, you know, safe in theirs um, and not mm-hmm. not feel ashamed or um, or even just uncomfortable uh, right in in the reality yeah. that is for them um, and so I, I think you know it, it's if you can find the the ovaries to, to do it <laughs> um, I, I yeah. hate the term lady balls so we're gonna go with ovaries <laughs> uh, to you know to, to be your full self like the reward is actually pretty strong. Well, I think it's so true. You know, that that 
piece that I wrote on Forbes about listing the 37 jobs. Oh my goodness, I know. That was really scary. And also it was kind of me being like, I know this is ridiculous. Not thinking that 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 article has had so much feedback from people that I didn't even think had that experience in their Mm -hmm. life. You know, Mm -hmm. what you just said made me think about that. And also about this writing group that I was a part of. One of the women in the group said something that really struck me and has continued to as being so true. She said, when you write about your specific experience, and I'd say you could substitute the word write for tell, share, whatever, Mm -hmm. your specific experience, it may feel very idiosyncratic to you. Like other people won't have had that exact same experience. Mm -hmm. But if it is true for you, it will touch on the truths of everyone else who reads it and they will feel connected to it. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for writing this piece. Like I said, I am going to, uh, now that you have been my Google alert that it is (laughs) online, uh, I'm going to sit down with a cup of tea tonight Mm -hmm. and and dive into it. I can't wait. So bravo. Thank Um, you. But yeah, you know, indeed, back to Gwyneth, I think an example of somebody who, yeah, has gotten a lot of flack for, you know, yeah, this personal blog that she started, that she she does say that, you know, I started it sort of as a blog, but she, in her heart, I think she always knew that she wanted it to be bigger, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I think the fact that she wrote this on LinkedIn is a real gesture of her to say, like, look, this is serious. I, you know, I thought it was really interesting how she talked about acting as her former career career, whether Mm -hmm. or not she will return to it, which I'm sure she will. Um, But, you know, uh, but really the point is, is that she's doing what she's really passionate about Mm -hmm. and being brave enough as someone who is an incredibly high profile Oscar winning actress Mm -hmm. to say, look, this is what I'm focused on right now. Get on board. I really believe in it. Well, I, really cool. I, I'm really I'm impressed by her so much. I, I look at her. I look at Carly Kloss. I look at a lot of these. Yes. Um, there's there's been a number of um, especially women who have, you know, made a first success in a very high profile, very um, cushy uh, industry. I, I don't mm-hmm. think the job of acting is cushy, but certainly the industry that surrounds it and the celebrity of it. Um, and in Carly's case, being a, a top model at a very early age mm-hmm. where they could have have absolutely coasted on that for the rest of their career and mm-hmm. and done very well. Um, yep. And I, I look at them and they, you know, they know that there's something else for them, that that's um, that makes them happy, but they want mm-hmm. more. And yep. I give them so much credit for stepping outside of a place where they've already achieved uh, a measure of success to try other things that they could easily fail. Um, yep. And in the Carly's case, you know, going after she's got this entrepreneurship thing with Carly's cookies right. and and then learning right. to code and, and, mm-hmm. and going into like philanthropy around that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways where they could have very publicly failed because they were such a public figure to start and they did it anyway. And I, yep. I give them so much credit for being role models in that way mm-hmm. to not just young women, but to everyone, every, you know, anywhere to say um, – just because you made it to the top of this mountain doesn't mean you have to stay at the top looking right. longingly at the other mountains that could also be interesting enough to start climbing. Um, but yep. to do that, you have to go down the mountain and start back up a different one, right? It's, well, uh, that, that's right. It requires starting from scratch um, if you're going someplace new, and that can feel very uncomfortable. Yes. No, it's so true. And, and it takes a lot of faith and courage. And back to that really – 
educating piece, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, when I, two years ago, I was pursuing a kind of straight and narrow acting path, knowing that I was, I was also building Love and Betty's on the side, but I remember having to say to my agents, look, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. And them saying like, Kate, you have an MFA, a theater career is what your future is. Mm. And having the courage to say, well, this relationship isn't, isn't the right one then, you know? And like, and even, uh, you know, I was, I was saying to Ross the other day, even at my current job that I have right now, you know, I am constantly pitching my skill set. Mm -hmm. I said to Ross, you know, I just, <laughs> I was saying to somebody I work with, they're like, well, Kate, we think you would do great at, at producing video because I've been working more on the editorial side. And I'm like, I felt like, do I need to whip out my resume and say, look how I do math tutored? I am a producer. This is what I do. <laughs> well, the truth is, yeah. You know, I think part of being somebody who wants to work in different, in, in different realms and can part of that is sort of a continual pitching of let me just remind you that this is what I do and that I'm really mm -hmm. good at it as well. Mm -hmm. And to sort of embrace that instead of fight it, right? And say, yeah, part of part of my work here is to also really champion is if you're going to Balter to write the letter on LinkedIn to say, look, yeah. I am here. If you're Carly Kloss to say, yes, I'm starting this code initiative and Absolutely. that's what I'm doing. Like you said, build your way up the mountain, however yeah. many times that takes. Well, it's so it's interesting that you say that, too, that like your personal responsibility around the storytelling of why you're a fit for this or, or what you want to do next. I'm giving this talk in Sweden, mm -hmm. uh, not next week, the week after. And um, uh, it's a, a talk that I've given a lot called Fail, Brag, Pivot. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. the, the brag piece is always meant to be slightly... Uh, uh, I don't know, controversial in the use of that <laughs> word because I know everyone has a very um, uncomfortable relationship with brag, especially women. Um, but it's it's very much meant to uh, stoke this idea of no one's going to tell your story better than you can and no right. one's going to understand um, the positioning of why you're a fit for this or how that experience prepared you for this other thing um, or, you know, whatever the, if you look at the era of the resume, which it feels so outdated, um, <laughs> you know how you're always told to like condense and get it to one page. You shouldn't be more than one page unless you're like 15 years into your career. And right. yet you want to include like fun little tidbits in the bottom where they're like, right. oh, a fun, fun interest in hopes that like maybe one of those things will connect with your interviewer. Mm -hmm. um, and you're often told to like write a different version of your resume depending on the jobs you're applying for or, you know, how you're positioning yourself. I have well, so in, many resumes. Right? Yes, but in the totally. era of LinkedIn, yes. where I, I literally haven't had a resume in years because anytime I've talked to anyone about uh, an opportunity, they just pull up my LinkedIn. Right? I agree. So, again, Praise it's this LinkedIn. idea that like you yes. can't you, – you no longer have the option, but you also no longer have the responsibility, quite frankly, to have these <laughs> 10 different storylines, 10 different resumes, yes. you know, different positionings about your life. You get one positioning. And luckily yes. on LinkedIn, it can be more than one page because it just keeps scrolling. But That's you right. really, you know, finding that way to sort of curate the list of things that make you who you are and how you can be prepared for whatever your next opportunity is. And then in that conversation, the introduction, the interview, whatever that is, it's your responsibility to pull in all of those data points and craft the story of why this is a good fit for what you're doing next. Because you can't That's expect right. other people to be able to to pull those pieces of your Venn diagram into a narrative arc that, that makes sense for you. That's your job. I 
I think that's exactly right. I remember meeting with a headhunter and in he saying to me, you know, Kate, I really get your story. But not everyone is going to. It's mm-hmm. your job to, mm-hmm. you know, really tell that. And I'm reminded of, we've talked about Brene Brown before, but this mm-hmm. great quote, it might be in her TED Talk where she says, when you own your story, you get to decide how it ends. Or I'd yes. say in this case, <laughs> how it continues, right? Yeah. What, what the next step is. And I think that we are so lucky. That's something about the time in which we live mm-hmm. that we really are more and more to have, you know, so many people uh modeling this, we are mm-hmm. really able to, uh, to to just be have a lot of sort of support. And I think that there's a great climate for being a human Venn diagram. Absolutely. So, um, oh, my gosh, we have so much to talk about. We do. We do. <laughs> I, I, so I want to get to these Wells Fargo ads. You, you texted them <laughs> to me earlier this week, but they've been blowing up my social Let's media feed. Let's talk about those And it's particularly... Ads. It's particularly problematic because uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Wells Fargo just got uh, in big, big trouble for doing a whole bunch of illegal things to like juice their numbers and like oh, no. charged their oh, customers no. all these I fees. Have yeah, not seen so it's like it's yet. it's an actual uh, you know a oh, little no. bit of a. Um, uh, yeah. Karma, right? So these Wells yeah, Fargo ads. Tell us, tell us what these Wells Fargo ads say. Well, I'm going to shout out to my my friend Susanna Chen, who is amazing hu- human Venn diagram in in her own right. Uh, the through line for her is food. She's an incredible uh, food writer and has done so many things in that realm. But she tagged me on Twitter, and of course, I'm sure multiple people ta- multiple people tagged you on your social channels, Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the ads essentially say there's there's I think two of them uh, that I've seen at least. That say one says a ballerina yesterday, an engineer today. Let's get them ready for tomorrow. And then there's the other version uh, with uh, a guy, and it says an actor yesterday, a botanist today. Let's get them ready for tomorrow. Same tagline. Um, I have to say, I this is one of the reasons why I love Twitter. Like the tweets, <laughs> the tweets have been, been amazing. So right? many amazing tweets. I think my. I think that my favorite might be the whole Music Man connection that people are making. <laughs> this guy, Mark Snedeker, I don't know if that's how you say his last name, he wrote, um, Wells Fargo, you are literally in the Music Man, which <laughs> made me LOL so much. Yes, Wells Fargo, you are in a musical. You it's know, true. Like, bow down. It's true. Um, You're the only financial institution <laughs> that is named... Like, has a song about them. Please, what are you doing? Right. And Andy Mantis, who I recently saw in Def West's uh, amazing production of Spring Awakening that then went to Broadway. He's an incredible actor. Such a great production. Yes, has been really vocal about this. He said, where's the Mm -hmm. petition to cut uh, Wells Fargo from the Music Man? Um, But, you know, (laughs) what I love about it... What I love it, what I love it is that, you know, obviously when something like this hits the internet, people are going to react in the full spectrum of ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that re- people are really championing the power of the arts, you know. And of course, mm-hmm. I think what we would say is it's not what are the other, obviously, right? Right. Like it, it is, it is both, it is more. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're about to talk about originals where, where we're, you know, uh, Adam Grant does such a great job of talking about how. You know, exploring creativity in one way actually has enhanced so many mm-hmm. Nobel Prize winning scientists. Well, so the, um, the two things that um, that I loved about these ads slash the Twitter reaction to them, um, <laughs> one of them, someone points out botany, 
really Wells Fargo? Like botany is the poetry of the sciences, right? Like that of all the sciences, amazing. you didn't pick like bioengineering or right. you know astrophysics. You picked botany, and, like, pra- which praise is botany. praise for botany, like, right? Love but botany. Um, but of all the things to be like, yeah, this is a job for the future. <laughs> botany is maybe not top ten. Um, yep. But the, the thing that that I thought was such a like when I first saw the ads, I actually thought that they were talking about like human Venn diagrams. I was like, oh, right. You can right. be a botanist and an actor. You can be a ballerina and an engineer. And like, let's talk about how you can do both of them in the future. And then someone's like, no, 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 Christina, your bias is being very generous here. Um, they're talking about leaving behind <laughs> the arts to do something slightly more STEM related. I was like, oh, Wells Fargo, you almost had me. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like this might be a classic case of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'm sure. Right? Like, I'm sure like, of it. Yeah, Valerie, you know, let's st- let's sort of shift the focus to engineering or whatever. Unfortunately, well, I think the way their problem executed. is the series of them, right? If if they had done Correct. a second act that said, um, you know, a fireman yesterday, uh, a, you know, a slam poet today, let's right. get them ready for the, right. So like, and then if also, it weren't always. still a fireman, yeah. Right. <laughs> if it wasn't always the arts is the history, the STEM subject is the current, let's talk about the future. Um, the, right. the series is actually what killed them. Individual ads were not they weren't that bad because it was it was for teen day, right? It was talking about how teens' interests change, but, you know, let's think about how we can get them prepared for the future no matter what they're interested in. And I totally Correct. applaud that message. Correct. But by using the artistic things as like, oh, that was your childhood. Now let's yep. be serious. Um, yep. They shot themselves in the foot. Well, and I think that we've seen this happen in, in in other ways, too, in terms of, like, that sometimes when people are really trying to champion one thing, they mm-hmm. unfortunately they the end up. Right. And it goes back to, you know, this idea of inclusion that is so mm-hmm. important, not only in careers, but in, in everything. Right. I think a lot of the feminist movement has had to say, mm-hmm. like, look, yeah, this is also like this is about equal rights. This is not about saying men are bad. This is right. about saying, right. let's just have equal rights. Right. Um, well, it, you see that in like Black Lives here. Matter as well, where they're like, we're right. not saying Black Lives Matter only. We're right. saying exactly. Black they Lives Matter, matter too, <laughs> as <laughs> <Right>. well. <laughs> right. This um, is a fact. This is the, the truth. It doesn't yes. have to be this binary where we're you know pitting things against each other. It can be also. Yes. Which yes. I, I would argue is the power of and um, instead of, yes. you know, but or instead of, instead of uh, in or. the first place. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, oh, dear. <laughs> we shall. We shall. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how Wells Fargo, where they where they go from here. Seriously. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud of all the, the, the Twitter, the Twitter. Twitter people who, you know, really champion the power of of of. Well, yeah, because they got Wells Fargo to come out and apologize. Um, I mean, that and is, they pulled the ads. Right. So well done, that's right. social media. That's right. Um, that's right. Speaking of Twitter, yeah, we had we a had great a, a Twitter, Twitter follower, follower. <laughs> uh, Mr. Calvin Walker. Uh, hi, Calvin. Calvin. Hi, Calvin. Uh, you are fantastic. I have checked out Calvin's work. It's 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 just really great. Fellow human Venn diagram. He tagged us in this uh, article on the cut uh, that has the headline: "Math is biased against women and the poor," according to a former math professor, uh, and, and ask us what what we think of it. So. Uh, 
uh, here we are talking well, about that article. So it's a, uh, actually, let's talk about the really headline, right? Great article, but the headline is <laughs> clickbaity. It's clickbaity. We've got we've got to fire the uh, clickbaity alarm here. I mean, yep. to be fair, the title of my piece on L is also incredibly clickbaity. So I, mean, I get you know, the the, the need internet. in the era of the internet to be salacious enough that you will click. Well, um, and honestly, the the Gwyneth Paltrow article yeah, uh, it's has true. a very clickbaity. Uh, it's headline. true. So at least uh, on the upside of all of these, the the article actually <laughs> was substantial and interesting enough to to stay around for reading it. Um, well, absolutely. And Christina, I'd love you to take the lead on this because the article is about big data. I'd love yes. to you know weigh in on your computer programming side here. Yeah. So it's it's actually a really fascinating article. So they're talking about how big data can actually be discriminatory. Um, right. So they have this example. So if an engineer firm wants to hire an engineer uh, and and so they build an, an algorithm to help them sort through you know resumes or, or histories to help them define so what is a successful engineer at our firm look like and how can we mm-hmm. find more of those people actually LinkedIn even created a tool like this about a year ago that basically mm. was like tell us who in your company are the rock stars and we'll mm. find more resumes and more LinkedIn accounts that look like those people so we're oh, just going to help you replicate your your rock stars and the problem uh-huh. with that is is if you're using historical data to right. to define the future, um, you're going to repeat the biases of history. So in their case, if they're mm-hmm. saying, you know, if historical data is someone who has been here for two years uh, and has been promoted at least once and historically no woman has been here for two years and promoted mm-hmm. at least once, mm-hmm. then the algorithm is going to learn that women are never going to succeed in this right. role, or women are not qualified or don't meet the minimum bar. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's so true if you actually look at, there's, uh, you know, police uh, data in, in this country. Um, it's mm. super fragmented. It's, there, there isn't one, there's a whole movement now to try to get better data from all these different, uh, you know, police precincts and, and aggregate it in a way that can be searchable and not just like a PDF of numbers, which believe it or not is how a lot of times data is shared between agencies and the government. Um, wow. So it's not, it's not dynamic. And, um, and, you know, if you look at police data, you look at recidivism, you look at, um, you know, the, the biggest users of sort of the healthcare system who, you know, don't have insurance or aren't able to pay, there's this, you know, overlap of this circle of, you know, people who have uh, low education, single uh, family, a single parent family, um, mm-hmm. come from a place of poverty, you know, have these characteristics that we all know and can recite off the top of our head. But then that sort of... Um, it it perpetuates this bias because then they create this data that says, well, you know, this individual, and they go up for sentencing to the judge, um, based on his and often his profile, uh, is much more likely to, uh, you know, be a repeat offender. He's much more likely to not fulfill the rules of his parole. He's much more likely to um, have, you know, drug issues when he gets out. So we should give him a longer sentence. Because mm-hmm. this other, you know, uh, person, Brock Turner is a great example of this. Mm. He doesn't need a long sentence. It would uh, adversely affect his future. He will recover and right. be a good upstanding citizen. We just need to slap him on the wrist for, you know, rape. Um, but, yeah. you know, this, this other person, based on the data that we know about, um, that you know, based on their profile, we think they are a high risk. And so we need to keep them in prison longer or we need to, you know, punish them in other ways. And that just perpetuates the bias. So there's this yep. huge question now as we get into big data, which says, like, um, how how much are we 
questioning our biases? Are, how much are we stress testing these algorithms for not just taking the history and uh, plastering it on the future, but actually controlling for or you know, in some cases, just refusing to use um, this data or these algorithms because mm-hmm. they are biased um, and because they are, you know, only going to perpetuate the, the problems of the past. I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting question, you know, to figure out what the solution is, mm-hmm. because you're absolutely right. You know, again, this is something that we see manifest in so many ways, a sort of natural bias mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, there's this whole thing about, put, you know, get more women in, in writers rooms in Hollywood and, mm-hmm. and in comedy rooms. But think about it that, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I'm I'm a dude. I like hanging out with dudes. So I'm going to, you know, hire people that I mm-hmm. relate to that mm-hmm. I like. And there's some incredible incredible shows that are really, uh, you know, being real path forgers in this way, Transparent Empire, you know, a number of shows Mm -hmm. who are saying, look, we're going to really curate um, a lot of different voices in these rooms uh, and see what happens. But it also makes me think about, and I keep jumping to originals knowing we're going to talk about it, but, you know, this idea that comes up, it's this, you know, John Jost, this political psychologist, talks about that theory of system justification, which is Mm -hmm. that... Add on top of the fact that bias is happening, that that this study that shows that people are motivated to rationalize the status quo as legitimate, even mm-hmm. if it goes directly against their interests. This mm-hmm. idea of like, well, if it's kind of always been that way, I'm unhappy with that, but that's somehow that is like legitimate because it has always been, right? Yes. Um, and and that you know that sort of this exists. Of course, that's sort of a shocking thing to read because I don't think we want to think that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's just interesting to see how can we craft data to to be forward thinking. I guess mm-hmm. is the question. Well, right? you know, I look at like Amy Poehler and her show. Um, Amy Poehler, I love Amy Poehler, but that's not actually the person I'm thinking Amy of. Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah. No, well, Amy Schumer, but who? No? Uh, Samantha B. Thank you. They're all Samantha blonde B. and funny. So we finally got there. Uh, <laughs> and hyper talented. Yes. So look at Samantha B's new show on TBS. Right. It's mm-hmm. so funny, and mm-hmm. she really wanted a super diverse writers' room, mm-hmm. and she acknowledged that it, again, like this example with big data, if the criteria to apply for and be considered is you have already had experience in a writer's room, right? then we're already limiting ourselves to the pool of people who are we've already acknowledged is, uh, you know, a, a non-diverse pool. Um, mm-hmm. Or even if the requirement is, you know what a submission should look like, right? The formatting, the length, the, the number of you know pieces that you include. Um, you're you're limiting yourself to people who already know the rules, and we've just right. acknowledged that the people who already know the rules is not representative of the the broader talent pool. And so, you know, she put a lot of work into helping people. Um, you know, I think I, I can't remember. This is now a story that I've I've heard third hand, but like um, you know, put examples out there of this is what a submission should look like, um, mm. and. Make Made it made it very clear that you know they're going to review things anonymously and you know be able to look at just the content. But here's just like the basic formatting so that you get your foot in the door and you know we believe that you're credible based on how your submission looks. And they ended up with an incredibly diverse team, and I think that shows in how funny and how innovative and how fantastic mm-hmm. her show has been. I really think she's taken on the mantle that Jon Stewart left behind when he you know, retired from The Daily Show as the funniest, most kind of critical, biting, honest, 
um, you know, willing to call them out. Uh, if we want to call it fake news person, you know, a person in comedy right now. Um, <laughs> I, I really think, you know, her her show is uh, really innovative. And you have to believe that it's because of the people that they got behind the scenes to, to make the show. Well, that's right. And, you know, yeah, doing the t- the type of uh, comedic political commentary that she does, you know, comedy thrives on the offbeat and off kilter. And so, I, again, I'm reminded of this great this great story of Seinfeld uh, in in originals, right, where uh, Seinfeld just had the lowest ratings in so many ways from mm-hmm. everyone who was sort of inside that world and mm-hmm. even from focus groups who were watching it. And Rick Ludwin, who really was crucial in getting Seinfeld made, said, you know, my greatest strength is that I didn't come from a comedy, a straight up comedy TV show background. I had sort of this interesting uh, Venn diagrammy comedy <laughs> resume that made me really open to yeah. the offbeat and off kilter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I it'll be interesting to see, I guess, you know, how the algorithms can shift, right, to sort of help data support, well, support and I, I what a lot of people are doing. This is a perfect time to acknowledge that, like, data is wonderful and algorithms are powerful, but you cannot let them operate in, a, a you know, an ecosystem all of their own. This yes. is where, like, the art comes into the science um, right. and the ethics enters, you know, the big data conversation of, you know, we need humans at the helm ultimately to control yes. how much the machines, I mean, it feels very futurist to see this, you know, like AI or whatever, but, we are um, in the future you know, it, right it, now, right. Yeah. Like we, this is where humanity uh, has to step up and not just let the algorithms kind of dictate what the future looks like. And that's well, where it yeah. becomes super important that we look at who's at the table to decide Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who gets to make those decisions about the future. Um, well, yeah, yeah. And also so, incredibly encouraging, right, yes. to the, the power of humanity um, Absolutely. in order to not repeat history, but to, but to write it. Well, this is the entire argument for why the world needs liberal arts majors, right? Like, you can't run <laughs> exactly. a world off of engineers and business people and lawyers. You also need, uh, you know, the liberal arts skill set of yep. questioning and um, and understanding and integrating and reading and synthesizing. I mean, all of that comes out from the liberal arts toolkit. Um, and it's not enough to just learn, you know, how to how to make things more efficient, um, which yeah. is, I think, a, you know, a great a great segue into originals now that we've brought it oh up my three gosh. different times. S- since um, I, I, I keep bringing <laughs> it up. First of all, let me just say, Kelvin, thank you so much for that article. It was yes, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, continue to send us articles, you guys. We love talking about them, as you can tell. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Let's, we have just been, uh, I've been eking into originals. I wanted to say bleeding, and then that just brought up a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> into originals. So, uh, Christina, thank you so much for, uh, you know, I'm starting to see this book everywhere, but mm-hmm. you were the first person to say, Kate, read this right now. Um, yeah. So, where do we um, even begin? There's so much I know. To talk about I know. So, I, you know, I met <laughs> Adam Grant um, at Renaissance Weekend last year, and he had a, oh, another right. book before this called Give and Take, which is also right. a fantastic book. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew about Originals. I had heard him speak there. But, um, you know, having joined my new company, this is one mm-hmm. of, like, the core books that we talk about and read and share with all oh, of our cool. p- potential partners. So I was like, okay, fine. I will read it. Um, and, you know, I, I had a, a trip out to California a couple weeks back, and I read it on the plane, and I'm just, like, mm-hmm. underlining every third oh, sentence. Oh, my gosh. I have highlighted the whole <laughs> And I finally just, like, took a page of one of the, the charts, and I texted it to you, and I was like, this is the book for our next episode. 
episode. Absolutely. <laughs> was, that so, Nobel Prize yeah, chart. Yep. Exactly. So the title is it's Originals, How Nonconformists mm-hmm. Move the World. And so Adam yeah. Grant, we've talked about him a couple times already on the show. Yeah. He is a professor at Wharton School of Business at the University mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania. And he opens the book with how, you know, the Warby Parker, the, the eyeglasses mm-hmm. brand that's just <laughs> everywhere, how the Warby mm-hmm. Parker founders, there's four of them originally, they were his students at Wharton. Right. And they gave him a chance to invest at the early, the, early, early stages. They pitched him the idea to invest in Warby Parker, and he turned them down, which he (laughs) says is like the biggest financial mistake of his career. (laughs) Right. And, you know, they have obviously turned out to be this huge success. Um, And so he starts with this premise of like, what did I get wrong? Right. How did I miss this opportunity? If they were really so innovative and so original, how did I not see that given the lenses and the questions that I put out there? And he Mm -hmm. goes through... And and kind of follows this pattern in the book of saying, like, how do you identify originals? How do you, you know, some of our biases um, as, you know, uh, people who are great at efficiency maybe um, to not understand where original idea and creativity and, you know, the innovation in its earliest stages, it it's like the false negative, um, mm, you right. know, that it trips off our, our thinking. And so how can we understand it a little bit better um, so that I don't make this mistake the next time a Warby Parker <laughs> comes across my desk. So I thought it was just obviously a fascinating way to start a book. Um, mm-hmm. But it really gets into, particularly in the first few chapters, this great discussion around, you know, how how you how you are an original, how you become, how you create yeah. originality within yourself. And um, and I thought it was just in particular the chart that I took the picture and sent to you was yeah. a Nobel Prize uh, in science chart mm-hmm. that um, looked at the likelihood of a scientist uh, to win a Nobel Prize and how it was and it increased by certain multiples uh, based on particular hobbies. And if oh you look gosh. at their artistic hobbies, this is so fascinating. If you look at their artistic hobbies, if yep. they play a musical instrument or they are a composer or a conductor, they have twice the, the likelihood of winning a Nobel Prize than someone who mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. If they're into like the fine arts, like drawing and, and painting and sculpting, they have seven times the chance of winning. <laughs> if they do kind of crafts like woodworking or glass blowing, seven and a half times sort of in the same bucket as, as the physical arts. If they're a writer, poetry, plays, novels, whatever, 12 times the chance of winning. And this is what absolutely kills me. This blew me away. This blew me away. If they are a performer, if they're an amateur actor, dancer, magician, I love that one, uh, 22 times the likelihood of winning a Nobel Prize than a scientist who isn't. Okay, let's just just take a major pause for a second. A, a, a quick moment of silence. Mm-hmm. Human Venn diagrams, all of mm-hmm. you listening, yes. if you have been looking for validation of yes. why it's okay, I'm like getting emotional, Christina. I this know. is crazy. I know. But if, of why it is okay to follow your curiosity, mm-hmm. just turn to page 47 yes. of Originals <laughs> and look at that chart, photocopy yep. it, rip it out, put it yep. on your wall. I Absolutely. mean, right? Give that to oh your parents if they're questioning Give why you need parents. to go down that acting, dancing, magician path. Um, <sighs> oh this is gosh. it. And, it, you know, oh it's gosh. so interesting because, you know, I mean, we have so many quotes that we can pull out of this. But so um, the thing I actually 
highlighted the footnote on this page, yes, which is always I fun. Love I love his footnotes. Footnote. So he footnote. says, you know, interest in the arts among entrepreneurs, investors, uh, inventors, sorry, and eminent scientists obviously reflects curiosity and aptitude. People who are open to new ways of looking at science and business tend to be fascinated by the expression of ideas and emotions through images, sounds, and words. And then he has this footnote. The personality trait most associated with an interest in the arts is called openness, Mm. the tendency to seek out novelty and variety in intellectual, aesthetic, and emotional pursuits, which is so true. But I love Mm -hmm. that, like, as you've said in an an earlier episode, once someone with any sort of uh, credential or moral authority says it, you're like, oh, thank you. That's right. Thank you for that validation. And it's, um, it's just so interesting to finally have the sort of the study behind it, the data behind it that says really it's about, you know, that that innate sense of curiosity, openness, um, you know, n- sense of novelty that mm-hmm. by cultivating it and practicing it mm-hmm. a- on different sides of your brain, on different sides of your, you know, your experiences, it actually helps you on the other side as well. That's right. It sort of trains up the muscles of curiosity um, and leads you to be more likely to make that breakthrough, which is so fun. I I love, I love from the psychological study about openness, Mm -hmm. Robert McRae was leading it. I love that it says that one of the best indicators of openness was agreeing with the statement, quote, Sometimes when I am reading poetry or looking at a work of art, I feel a chill or wave of excitement. Mm-hmm. So beautiful, you know, <laughs> that like because you get chills, that that is a good thing, right? Yes. Um, I, I think that, you know, back to uh, Emily Wapnick that we continue to, to talk about, who's done mm-hmm. a great job of, of talking about in her TED Talk and subsequent writings about, um, you know, the problem with being told what are you going or asked what are you going to be when you grow up, the pressure to feel like you're picking one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it actually what this book is saying is that uh, it will enhance all that you do, you know, mm-hmm. will enhance all that you do to diversify, to follow your curiosity. I love mm-hmm. that Adam Grant also refers to Dean Simington, who we talked about in Danielle Feinberg's episode, yes. right? That yeah. Galileo example of mm-hmm. obviously Galileo pursuing the fact that he had this sort of artistic sense, like his scientific tools weren't allowing him to fully see the science. Mm-hmm. He had to connect the dots as an artist to, to mm-hmm. even understand what he was seeing. Absolutely. Um, so uh, there's there's so much there's just so but much the, in this the, book. The like redeeming thing in in all of this, I, I can't remember what page it was on, but there was a moment mm-hmm. where he said, um, you know, original originality is not a fixed trait. It's yes. a free choice, right? And he gives yes. this great example of Lincoln, even of like um, Martin Luther King Jr. These moments mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. chose to step up to the plate. That actually, mm-hmm. you know, there were there were moments where they didn't want to be that person who who changed the world. Um, But they had a moment and they chose this. And it feels, you know, we've talked about the fixed versus growth mindset, also a a Carol Dweck framework, um, where it's sort of that reassuring moment that this is not something you're born with. This is something you can choose and this is something you have to cultivate. Um, And as long as you choose this and you, you decide to, like, do the work, you have the option of being an original. Like, this is... On, on your potential, you know, life plans <laughs> that, that, well, that yep. is really exciting, right? 
Well, that's absolutely right. And I love the Lincoln example, not just because I am related to Lincoln. Which Are you is really? One of my biggest. I am. Yes. Oh, we're my both, goodness. We're both tall and honest. Well, uh, that's but, fun. But it, it, it is a really fun fact. But what I love that it says <laughs> about Lincoln is something that I totally relate to, maybe because we share blood or maybe because we're both humans. But uh, <laughs> but it is that, you know, he really there's a sense that if you're original, that you don't have this thing where you need to please others and you don't care about, you know, conflict. Mm-hmm. But in that example, it says, no, you know, Lincoln. Lincoln really did have this thing where he held office hours for four mm-hmm. hours. You know, that he really was concerned about making, you know, making sure that people were happy and avoiding mm-hmm. conflict. And he was still able to choose and mm-hmm. say, you know, look, this is what I want to do. I, also, you know, there's this great thing about uh, that, you know, he talks about gifted children mm-hmm. and prodigies. And how oftentimes, you know, they become, of course, this phrase, practice makes perfect, but it doesn't make new that that he says, you know, child prodigies often struggle with um, with becoming originals. However, Mm -hmm. however, they absolutely can. There's this great Mm -hmm. quote from Ellen Winter where she says those gifted children who do become revolutionary adult creators. They must make a painful transition from a child who learns rapidly and effortlessly in an established domain to an adult to ultimately remakes a domain. Yes. What that said to me is like, it again comes down to the choice. What mm-hmm. what have I learned, but what do I really want to do? It may mean that I need to shed some things, mm-hmm. um, but I ultimately can, uh, you know, have this this growth mindset and do Well, it. and it also ties into, there's a great um, quote from Ira Glass in there, which says, if yes. you want to be original, the most impo- important possible thing you could do is a lot of work <laughs> to do a huge volume of work. Because he's pointing out, um, Adam does this great analysis where he says, like, the periods in which the most major works appear, if you look at Shakespeare, at Beethoven, at Mozart, yep. at any of these artists, um, the period in which the most, you know, major uh, world-changing works of art appear are also, the periods in which their most minor works appear. And if you look at the <laughs> hundreds or thousands of pieces of output from these composers or these artists or these playwrights, um, I mean, we, we've said this before that Shakespeare wrote Hamlet and then he wrote Troilus and Cressida, <laughs> right? So, so often, right. you know, being having these moments of genius, it's not like you are increasingly getting better each piece that you put out, you have to, you know, craft it and then like everyone should be better than the one before it and otherwise you need to give up and try something else, which is often how we understand uh, expertise and and sort of, you know, uh, brilliance. But instead, Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of doing a lot of work, just putting out a lot of work and 99% of it is probably going to be completely forgettable. But if you do enough, that 1% is is world-changing. Well, and, and I love that he... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. Just related to your comment around child prodigies, I think the right. hard part about being a child prodigy is that you get good at being good. And that mm. becomes part of your psyche, of, mm. of your identity, That's is that so I am good at this. And yeah. what they're saying is you actually have to get good at being mediocre. <laughs> you have to be yes. okay with failing because it's only... By doing a lot of work and having, you know, nine out of ten things fail that you get to that tenth that actually takes off. And I think that's well, a very hard that. mindset for for people who are great at something to get used to. 
Uh, no, I love that so much. You know, he talks about, yes, how if you uh, get in this mindset of, of needing to be successful and achieving a lot, that it can hinder mm-hmm. your ability to be original. I love mm-hmm. that he, what I was going to say is I love that he brought up Ira Glass. I don't know if you remember that sort of, you know, it's this Ira Glass passage that's sort of gone viral. Where oh, of course. It's the a taste passage. versus talent thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it, that's so true, right? That so much of the time when we create, our taste is greater than our talent. And that's yes. when most most yep. people stop. There's this great um, article that that Mike Birbiglia wrote recently in the New York Times. He, uh, of course, is an incredible comedian. He uh, just have you seen his new movie? That movie? Oh, yes, it's so I have. Good. I think we talked about it. Uh, Don't oh, think that's twice. Right, we did. Yes. you know, being an improviser, coming from a comedy mm-hmm. background, uh, it is. A- a- any, I think anyone should see the movie. Particularly, oh, it's just such a great movie. Yes, particularly if you, you know, have uh, come from that improv comedy world. He does such a, uh, again, another great example of writing about something so specific and idiosyncratic and yet the universal truths yes. of it are so, yes. because it is so true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he alluded to that Ira Glass piece. I think that is so true. If you can just hang in there and really kind of just not at- not attach to outcome, right? Mm-hmm. The joy, mm-hmm. the love of it. Um, and even if it's not always there, you're just still doing the work, doing the work, outputting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been a huge shift for me in my life of just saying, do, 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 you know? Um, And then you kind of turn around and go, oh, I've made a couple things that are kind of okay. Well, let's keep going. Totally true. Oh my gosh. I have have some bad news for you. I I think I know what it is. (laughs) We are like totally out of time. (laughs) We are totally out of time. This is what happens when we, uh, when we're just so psyched about everything, which we are. We could um, be here So we'll have forever. to save some of these other notes for, for future episodes. We Luckily, will. we're going to be coming to you weekly, uh, weekly once we shift guys. over to yep. Podcast One. So no fear that you won't get to hear what, what's else on our notes list. <laughs> well, uh, we, will, we will TBD on, on this. but That's right. And it's happening, by the way, very soon. We're taking a yes. very short break. <laughs> and then in October, we will yep. be uh, coming right back at you, you every on, week. on the weekly. Yeah. Uh, do we want to end? Do we have time to end? I think with we have our time for a lightning ending? round, okay. but only if we follow yes. our own rules, which is no follow-up questions. <laughs> yes. So uh, I don't think we need to tell each other the rules of the lightning round. Uh, we thought it would be really fun to lightning round each other. Since yes. we put since we put our guests through the gauntlet, uh, it's do. only fair we that do. that we do it too. Now, do we want to do it sort of one at a time or alternating? That, that uh, we haven't talked about. Let's do. Why don't Why don't we just do uh, one at a time? I, okay. I'm, I'm going to lightning round you straight through. I'm going to pick like four of these, and then you Perfect. can turn the tables. Perfect. Okay. Okay, question one. What are you reading right now? In addition to original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, a couple of things. I just finished Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Fantastic Ooh. book. Highly, highly recommended for anyone wanting to pursue anything creative in any capacity. Um, Speaking also, of being authentic, she just came out as dating a woman yesterday. She, yes, that is amazing. You know, Jill Soloway did this recently too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, did this being authentic. I I think that's, she's, yeah, she's such an incredible creator and, and human. Mm -hmm. And also she writes so well. So it's a joy to read her work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Highly recommend that. Um, I am also uh, reading the the career guide for creative and unconventional people by Carol Eichelberg, which we will, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. And just finally finished 
watched Lucille Ball's autobiography. Um, not only okay. a, a comedic role model of mine, but she also, lest, lest we forget, she was the first woman to run a major Hollywood studio. So such a oh, boss. Oh, I had no idea about time. that. So also had a baby, at, her first baby at 40. So, you know, oh. she was amazing. Okay. Okay. Uh, quick again. I am um, failing at this. So number sorry. two, shout out for a woman who's doing awesome things in entertainment. I'm just going to shout out Rachel Axler, I was uh, hoping you our would. matchmaker, <laughs> who is a writer on Veep. Uh, just wrote an incredible piece for The New Yorker that really it was, was so uh, funny. It was also a social commentary in a bit. I, I haven't confirmed this with Rachel. This is just my own guess on that incredibly awful Margot Robbie uh, Vanity yes. Fair write up. Yes. But if there's one thing you read on the internet today, just Google Rachel Axler, New Yorker. New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Um, superpower of choice. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, if I could quadruple the hours in a day. <laughs> okay. I like it. More I like time. it. So you need the time turner, the Hermione yes. Granger time turner. Ooh, yes, the time turner. Love yeah. it. Okay. And so um, what's next? You had your summer of adulting that may or may not have gone so well. What's your What's your fall hashtag? Summer of adulting was super successful. My fall hashtag is uh, the, the fall of focus. Ooh, the fall of... Nice and that doesn't mean there's a difference. But thank you. Difference between focus and narrow, right? Yes. So it doesn't mean yep. that I'm narrowing. Yep. It just means that I'm really focusing on what I'm doing next and, and like doing my it. best to turn that out. Yeah. I like it. Okay, your turn. What are you reading right now? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> in addition to originals, uh, I just finished Colson Whitehead, uh, The Underground Railroad, which Ooh. is absolutely a must read. I stayed up all night to finish it. Uh, it is incredibly uncomfortable to read, um, to be mm. honest, as, as a white person in America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it is an incredibly important book to read, and I highly recommend anyone anyone pick it up. Uh, and then the other one um, that I'm in the middle of right now is General Stanley McChrystal's Team of Teams, which is Ooh. another book that we, we talk about a lot um, at Bionic. And it's about kind of getting rid of hierarchical teams and really thinking about much more network-based approach um, mm. and teams that shift based on you know the project you're working on to make you more uh, more effective, um, uh, increase communication, kind of all of these things. And it also just makes people feel much more empowered to do things uh, instead of having to wait until the chain of command gives the thumbs up. Um, so highly recommend both of those books. I'm holding 10 questions. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't wait to hear more about those. Um, awesome. A shout out for a woman who's doing awesome things in entrepreneurship. Uh, so I actually have two women that they're, they are co-founders of this company called Work, uh, W-E-R-K. Um, Love it. And I know, I know. Hamilton.com. Yeah. So um, Anna Auerbach and Annie Dean, they mm. created this company that basically is trying to figure out how to help women who want to re-enter the workforce after taking time off for kids, who want flexible work, uh, job share, uh, work from home, kind of what are, what are all of the arrangements of work that look looks mm. different from the standard 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, in-person um, requirements that was, you know, a system set up basically for men to work and who had full-time partners at home who could take care of mm. everything. So they have created this f- amazing and fascinating company partnering with some really big brands and companies and, and startups to really think about, um, you know, how can we bring really talented women back into the workforce in a way that's meaningful on both sides of that equation. So huge kudos to both of them. 
Love it. We will definitely link to them. Mm-hmm. So great. Uh, this is the most serious question I'm going to ask you. Sure. What's, what is your go-to karaoke song, <laughs> Miss Miss Singer, acapella? Um, yeah, so this one's Campagno. very easy. Uh, Carrie Underwood, Before He Cheats. Oh! Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Uh-huh. The slashing get, the tires and the... Whoo. Yeah, you get the right heels on, you go up there. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's quite, a, quite a performance, I, I have to say so myself. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and finally, Summer of Joy was so mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you. Uh, what is next? What's your theme for the fall? I think it's going to be fall of prioritization, which doesn't have quite the same ring as summer of joy. But um, I think, you know, it's probably related a little bit to your focus thing. Yeah. Um, In the in the effort and in the I guess the side effect of my summer of joy of clearing out the things that I wasn't bringing me joy, making space for the things that do. I now have a lot of things in my life again. All of which bring me joy. So now it is a matter of how do I prioritize them and decide um, which ones might need to go on pause for a little yep. bit so that yep. I can really give my fullest uh, measure of devotion, uh, to use a Lincoln phrase, uh, to <laughs> those things that I really want to do right now. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what's the timing and what's the um, I guess cycle for when I'm ready to bring those things off of pause and bring them back in. So um, you know, now that I'm I'm happy with all the parts of my life, how do I make sure that I'm able to give it my fullest uh, effort and and focus um, so that I'm not shortchanging everything and everybody. Yep. I really relate to that. And I love it because it's sort of like a phase two of Summer of Joy, right? I it's think like so. You manifest so. all the stuff. Now, now where am I going to hone? Now I yeah. got to learn how to make it work all together. Love it. Maybe someday we'll learn how to manage time as well since we are so far over. Um, we are. <laughs> Luckily, you know, so I here's think the, the one thing. a week is going to be really good for us. I don't feel too bad about this because when I was on Adam Carolla's show, he had a producer who like made hand signals and like put up little signs in front of him. And we don't have that. We're not even in the same room. So I feel like given, you know, given how we make this work uh, remotely and in our own bathrooms, closets and, you know, side rooms. Uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of our time management skills to this I, point. I am I am too. And you know, Chris, our wonderful producer, may be like you know s- silently you know doing Judging. the cut off neck uh, <laughs> gesture, <laughs> but we are uh, blissfully unaware. So true, true. <laughs> awesome. Well, as always, links to everything will will be going up on on Forbes, and um, we're just so excited to to, to continue this great journey. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't sister. know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.